I'm Bob Sullivan, the new host of AARP's The Perfect Scam Podcast. And with Frank Abagnale and other top fraud experts, we're bringing you brand new episodes of America's most shocking scam stories. I got an email alerting me to 22 accounts that had been opened up in my name. Scam was masterfully designed. New episodes available now. Subscribe to The Perfect Scam Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Can't preach with Rashad. We are the prophets. And uh hey man, Rashad, it's your birthday, man. Happy birthday to you, dog. I appreciate it, man. It's been nothing but love all day. A lot of birthday wishes. Um, everybody trying to feed me, take me to dinner, lunch, whatever, man. It's been nothing but love all day. So I appreciate everybody sending me the birthday wishes, all the love. Much respect. Hey, so you know, what how are you turning? 27th day? You, you, yeah, you get up there, man. I, I, almost off the calendar, man. Almost off. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, man, we got, I mean, it's like, I mean, that's 27, man. You know, some people don't get to see 20, you know. So, I mean, you know, props off to you. And, uh, you know, and after the show, hope you, you know, if you go so well, hope you stay safe and, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you, you know, you have, you have fun, you know, you know what it is. Oh, yeah, most definitely, man. Uh, blessing to see another year of new age. I'm pretty sure it's a lot of uh, fun things. A lot of, you know, just a lot of good things in store for me this year. I'm planning on speaking, to, speaking into existence. Oh, definitely. Most definitely. All right, so let's start off the show, man. Uh, another profit, profit prediction that we got correct. It, it probably was a little too long. Maybe, maybe it lasted a year or two past when we said it was going to happen. But, hey. It finally happened, and we're talking about Carmelo Anthony uh, signing to the Blazers, and he and he got his debut. Uh, well, I mean, a couple day, a couple nights ago uh, versus the Pelicans, man, and you know it was kind of it was it was kind of good to see him on you know back on the court because you know he got he got a couple in, wrong end of the stick a couple times in different places, but hey, it all, it all panned out. He he on the team that he should have been on. We said two three years ago. And uh, you know, I I just you know I just want everybody to know that we we predicted this, you know. Yeah, they they really needed him last year, man. Like he'd have been in perfect condition last year with Dame having that career year, CJ Nurkic, and they had a few other you know defensive pieces. They had Hood, Aminu, and Harkless. So I think Melo would have fit way better last year. I'm not saying he won't be a good fit this year. Uh, I just think last year would have been more ideal because they they could have used him to help get over that Warriors hump possibly versus being up the first half of every game pretty much and then just getting beat the second half and losing the whole series, getting swept. So uh, it may be a year too late, but I'm just glad to see Melo back in action. He's great for the league. Um, He's earned and he deserves to 
play ball and end his career on his terms pretty much. So I'm glad to see him back in the league. Yeah, I, I mean, he, the, 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 the debut wasn't that great, but when you ain't played in a year, I think it was like 370-something days that he hasn't scored a bucket. But, I mean, what do you really expect, you know? My my really my really thing is that he need they need to preach patience. Like you can't you can't you can't get rid of you can't get rid of him uh like after ten games like the Rockets did. You know what I mean? Like you just can't do it. You you have to you have to find ways to give him time, let him get acclimated. Because the the Blazers' biggest weakness from for the last three or four years has always been the front court scoring. Like Nurkic is wasn't is not the answer. They drafted Zach Collins for that reason. He they they were hoping to him to be the next Kevin Love. Maybe he came out too early, so he you know he really wasn't there at that time. You had Aminu in the front court. You drafted Nazir Little. You know these are these are not the you know the options that we that we all really wanted to happen. And and like I say, it's 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 kind of it's kind of crazy that it it took so long for them to to realize what their what their weakness was in this front court scoring because even versus. Uh, the Warriors, when the Warriors are at at their prime, like the backcourt, Clay versus Clay and Curry versus Damon McCullum. Okay, if that cancels out, who's going to match Durant? And they never had that answer. Yeah, I wanted to see it. You know, when he instead of going to the third, I wanted to see him on the Blazers then. And we definitely were calling for it last year when the Rockets let him go. Like Blazers, what are y'all waiting on? Go get this dude because, like you said, he would have been a Difference maker on the offensive end, you know, he can because he can create his own shot, and I'm sure it'll happen a couple of times this season where he'll get back in game shape and get in rhythm. And when he gets going, he, he's a he's one of the top ten offensive players we've ever seen, in my opinion. So there are gonna be some nights he can't even up for twenty five or thirty and get it going. Yeah, you know, as as, as also another uh, another prediction that I've been saying, I, I think you've been on board with me as well as this. There's one more move they need to make. I mean, and that's the goal. I don't know what you got to do, but f- free Kevin Love. I thought Kevin Love and Melo were two guys that you could have got at a reasonable rate. You don't have to give up too much too much to get them to pair with Dame and CJ. You know, and like I said, maybe it's been – it might be a little too late. Maybe. But, you know, Kevin Love was another guy I've been trying to push to, to for Portland to go get because Portland is not a state where – or not a team that people are going to on the regular. They're – you have to trade for them or draft them, and you know when you when you draft B Roy and you, uh, he you know he got to retire for injuries. When you draft Aldridge and he walk away in free agency, you draft Odin and once again injuries. It's, it's you have you have to go make a move, man. Uh, you see OKC did it a couple times. They wouldn't make moves in the small market. Uh, the Spurs been drafting well and they made subtle moves that that pans out that Portland you know really doesn't have to have. Um, the Evan Turners of the world, Baysmore, it ain't really all that shaping out to be a great, you know, great, great pickups. But, you know, they had to do something. I mean, they got white side. Nurkic's going to be back soon. But, you know, I I just, I just feel like it, it might be just a little bit too late and this team might, like, like you predicted, this team might be over with. Yeah, I don't I don't foresee that, that Kevin Love move happening just because um, Dame and CJ are going to make so much money over the next two to four years. Um, the only thing I can see it would be feasible as for this year would just be flipping a white side for Kevin Love. But there's there's no upside in that for the Cavs outside of the expiring contract. Um, so I, I doubt that move happens. But like Bobby said, man, if they would have went after K-Love and Melo, 
a year or two ago, they would have been in prime position to make that longer way to return to the finals. They haven't been to the finals since um, Clyde's Rexler days. And last time they were even close to this point, Western Conference Finals, and like were on the brink was when they had Jail Blazers and Scotty and uh, Kobe and Shaq caught that infamous lob pass, and that was all she wrote. So it's been a while since they were even close to that point because they had the Warriors down, man. They That was their prime opportunity with Durant being injured and everything. So they probably missed their window because this year um, LeBron's on a mission. AD's playing like the defensive player of the year. You have the best two-way wings in the league, Kawhi and PG. So the West, even though the Warriors aren't in the way, the West got tougher with those two teams, and you still have that beast named James Harden out there too. Oh yeah. Um, so do you do you how, how long do you think Melo gonna be in the Blazers? Do you think they will give him the whole season? Do you think? Uh, I mean, if it if the wins doesn't, I mean, obviously you can't you can't you can't put Melo and wins together in this situation. But do you think if if it if it doesn't pan out, work out, or what they expect? Do you think he? I mean, do you think he lasts the whole season, or you think this is just a experiment? Uh, because I mean, because I mean, I I don't know no other option. What's better than Melo is definitely not on your team. So I don't know. Yeah, he'll be there for the whole year. He's on a non-guaranteed deal. So he's basically playing, getting paid per game that he plays. So there's no, um, you know, there's no reason not to keep him for a financial reason. And as long as ESPN and all these stupid analytic people stop pushing this, oh, they were negative, whatever, when he's on the floor, man, stop using analytics are a tool. Like, don't use that as the sole means to judge someone's game. Just let Melo, he hasn't played ball in a while. Like, going to run at the YMCA or run with some guys at UCLA or in New York or whatever, that's all well and good, but that's not full in-game action. And the plus, like, we saw, um, he's trying to dunk on, like, Jackson Hayes. Melo's in his 30s. This is a young 19-year-old with fresh legs. Like, he's not going to be dunking on a 19-year-old. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, when he when he got there, like it felt like a good idea. He was excited, but he got up in the air. It was a bad idea then. But man, Melo Melo be fine. He got to get his legs back, uh, get his weight down a little bit. I mean, he didn't look fat, but you can tell he's a little bit heavier than he would normally be then from playing ball. But get his weight down a little bit, get in game shape, and he'll get. He's now been a a good scorer, so he'll he'll be good for fifteen to twenty a night. I'm sure. You know, you know what's funny is that's when you know he's somebody's old because the old Melo would have man would have piped on Jackson Hayes, it would it would have been nasty. But he, when he jumped, his old man, this is this bad idea. Abort, abort. Oh, that was that was that was funny to watch. Yeah, Melo had to eject, but he was just hoping for that foul call. He got in there. <laughs> that was that was the only option left. Uh, let's move on to another team in the West. Uh, you know that you, you know you're a big fan of. Uh, San Antonio Spurs, five and ten right now. Um, they have right now they have zero wins versus any team with a winner record. Uh, I mean they beat I think the Wizards and they beat the Warriors. I, I want to say Pelicans. I think one another team they beat. But um, this has been the the worst defensive team that Pop has ever has ever coached. Uh, I mean, do you what do you see as a fan from the Spurs this season? Yeah, I watched about 10 of their games. Um, the main thing, they got to get the rotations figured out. Uh, that's the biggest thing. They're trying to find chemistry. You're trying to work some of the guys back in together. You're trying to work Murray's first season back. 
They only had Lonnie for about 17 games last year. You're trying to work him back in. You drafted Keldon Johnson, so that's a piece that you put some high draft capital in that you want to get ingratiated into the offense. Yeah, you still you had the emergence of, you know, white four, so you got to still get them back into the mold. It's just a lot of moving parts, trying to build some chemistry, which takes time. You know, it's only 15 games in. I can see, like DeMar said, I can see if they were 50 or 60 games in and they were looking at this here, but it's only 15 games. You're trying to work a lot of things back in. So that's the main thing, the chemistry. And in the second part, that kind of it kind of lends off of that uh, the chemistry aspect. They don't have a defined playing style because Lamarcus Aldrich, he's getting older and he just can't play fast. Like he's gonna, he's a half court guy, mid range guy. So his game, he's basically like your second or third best player, depending on what night it is. But his game doesn't bode well for the current state of the NBA as far as playing fast, getting up and down the court. Uh, you know, quick shots. So the Spurs have to figure out what style they're going to play. And I think if it's going to be that youthful style where White, Murray, Forbes, and all these guys, Lonnie, DeMar, because DeMar going like 29, 30, and they're going to play a style where guys can kind of get out in transition, make plays. You kind of either have to move off Aldrich or just play him with different lineups where he can still be effective because if they're going to play fast, it won't work with him on the floor because he's going to always be falling behind. And yeah, like another thing that the Spurs always tend to do is, is like I said before, when I brought it up, was the defense. And while while you can you can because you can always figure out the offense, you can always figure out all right what's the right lineups here and there. Do I need to play him with him? And like you just said, you know where, where does Lamarcus Aldridge fit in? But on the other on the other end, you know that's that's going to show up with you on the road at home. Uh, you know playing in Timbuktu, it doesn't matter. The defense is defense going to travel. And if they're if they're gonna struggle all season with defense, while you're trying to figure out you know what's the best options, you you're gonna continue to lose. And I, it's like you it's like you 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 got you got to have faith in Popovich because you know how good of a coach he is. And I think he's the best coach in NBA history. But you 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 gotta you gotta think okay, he can make any any lineup. Cause we've been saying how long the Spurs dynasty going to end. Oh, uh, Tim Duncan is fading down. Ginobili's. Uh, forty Parker's doesn't look like the same guy. Oh, it's over with Kawhi. Oh, he's left now. Now Spurs over with and continue year and year and year. The Spurs still make the playoffs somehow, some way, no matter what the roster looks like. And we we talked about when we had previewed the NBA and the Spurs roster. You know, was all guards and wings, and you know our favorite saying: "Wings win rings." But y'all had you know, it's, it's a stockpile of. Guys who play the same position. You drafted Keldon, who's, you know, shooting guard slash small. You already got Lonnie, who can play the shooting guard. You got Murray, who's the, you know, supposed to be the future of the team. You got Derek White, who's, you know, on Team USA. So you got you, you got to think, okay, he's a future too. Uh, you still got the Rosen in the way. You got Rudy Gay playing the small ball four, and we was like, okay, well, something something got to change. So I'm a, I pose this question to you: Do you, what should the Spurs do if they if they plan to make a move? Uh, or 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 you could say do nothing. Do nothing is 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 alternate, uh, um, a, a good option too. Do you think they should trade away the the stars, meaning trade away Lamarcus Aldridge and DeRozan, get what you can get back? Um, you know, it's been rumors DeRozan going to Orlando. You know, that's a that's Bamba and maybe a you know a pick Terrence Ross something like that. Or you could trade Aldridge away to a contending team, 
get some young pieces, get some get some draft picks, anything like that of that nature, or do you trade away the Lonnie Walkers, the Forbes, or Derek White, somebody like that who's like who had a promising, you know, kind of like with the I'm not obviously you can't get somebody like Anthony Davis, but it's kind of like the Lakers did trade the young pieces away to get a star back, something like that, to because I feel like Popovich is not in no rebuilding mode at the age of seventy. I feel like he still wants to win, so. So trading away, trading away somebody like you know DeRozan or Lamarcus, you know it kind it kind of makes you know, okay now what, you know it's for for Popovich. So which option do you rather rather do? Trade the young pieces or trade the stars or do nothing? Uh, they'll probably wind up doing nothing just because of their their history. Um, the last time they made an in season trade was twenty fourteen. And since 2012, they've only made eight trades total. So I doubt they make a trade because just looking at the options, like for them, like DeMar, there's only really about three teams after Dr. Steve even going after him. And I doubt he would decline his player options over coming all season because I think he will want to be in that 2021 summer, you know, that uh, that's – that's going to be probably the next big friendship class. I think he'll want to still be viable for that versus decline his player option and sign a long-term deal. So I think he'll stay put. And Aldrich, looking at his contract, skill set, and what teams would need, I can't see anybody going after him either. So I think they'll you know, just stay in pat. They'll, they'll try to figure it out along the way. Um, they're just going through a rough patch. But when you look at just the standings right now, still pretty early, but there are only probably six teams for sure, I would say, will be in the playoffs out of who's in it right now to start today. But I don't think the Suns will maintain their pace or or the T-Wolves. I think over time, the Spurs will begin to pick it up. They'll figure out the defense, things like that. Um, right now, the Spurs on offense are averaging 113 points. That is tied for eighth. Um the Nets also have the same thing. But like you said, their issue is on defense. They are giving up 116 points So as an average. So you can't give up more than you're scoring. <laughs> right. <laughs> that does not equate to win. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of games they've been in, they've been in them to the very end. They just haven't been able to close. Or they kind of were fighting from behind. All right, it's five minutes to go. We're down 10. You cut it down. But since you have to fight back from 10, you're trading too many baskets. When you finally get it down to that three or four point margin, you're not close. You know you don't have enough time to to take the lead and win the game. So they all get it figured out. Stuff like that is very very fixable. See, and to me, you know, if they made a move, I would prefer to trade the young pieces away because, like, like you you mentioned all these guys, and it's too many of them. It's too many. It's too many of the same guys, like because you know four is what six three six four. We walk, walk around the same height. Keldon on like six five. Uh, DeRozan six seven. Uh, obviously he don't inspire in contract, but you still got Murray and all of them guys. Like it's like it's it's so many. I feel like you can you, you it's, there's ways to trade something away and get something back. I mean, I, it, a lot of guys they're trying to find out who's on the market is probably kind of hard right now. But you know it's going to be some trade deadline deals. And if the Spurs can find themselves, you know, at the eighth at the eighth seed or right there, I mean, I can see them making the move because okay, we we gotta we gotta find a way to 
find a way to win the championship, uh, not the championship, but you know, find a way to get into the playoffs, and who knows from there, anything can happen. And when you have two, because in my opinion, Aldridge and the Rose are two, are two B level stars, and we have him, and you have somebody else plus a Murray. I mean, that's you know, when you when your team is well coached, uh, a great system, you know, and, and that's one one reason why the Spurs always maybe achieve more than what they should because the Popovich he's gonna he's gonna add those values because he's so great. So it's kind of like well, you got those two guys and you got Rudy Gay and you've got a Murray who's emerging one more piece that that's more consistent. You know, I don't know what, you know, what that is. Maybe, I don't know, Gallinari or something, somebody who can get you 18 and also is a front court player. It's kind of like, kind of like the Blazers a little bit. They, they need a, you know, Spurs need a front court opposite of Aldridge, you know, to, to get a bucket. Cause you got so many guards on the team. Yeah. I'm not sure what they can do as far as like a trade wise. Cause it, for looking at like Demar's position or like the guys that they would potentially trade position, a lot of teams have already drafted that same position, or they already have an elite person at that position already. So I can't see what they would do. Um, maybe a trade with Orlando, but that depends on Orlando wanting to give up a piece like Isaac or Aaron Gordon. So I'm not sure if they're willing to do something like that, or if you look at Miami. Um, there's a Jimmy Butler and DeMar DeRozan as your one-two punch with a young with some young guys. Does that get you to the East Finals or win your championship? So, looking at it from both from both sides, there are some teams that may not even want to trade for these guys that they don't see it as a move that gets them over the the hurdle. Like, do we see DeMar maybe going back to Toronto at some point? Because I feel like Toronto is going young, so I'm not sure where a guy like DeMar would go, even Aldridge, you know. Teams have already kind of gotten there. They're one big, and he's getting older. So I don't see the upside of a aging big on a twenty-something million dollar deal. Yeah, trying to find a suitor for Aldridge is probably a little too hard. And like, like you mentioned about the Rosen, the, the the wing position, whether it's the two or the three, is not that many teams that you can go. Now you can try to. I mean, obviously you can't combat what Paul George and Kawhi has, but. DeRozan and Jimmy Butler, that's not a bad pairing, you know, in my in Miami. But outside of Miami, Orlando, because I think I think Orlando, if they did it, I think I think getting Bomba, somebody who can who's defensive will be fine. See, I think Magic will give up somebody that if DeRozan walks, they will be okay. Like for like like because you can't give up Isaac and then DeRozan walks away because Isaac is a you know potential, you know. I mean, star. I mean, he's like six eleven wingspan. Wingspan's out the out the world. He can uh, he average like two some blocks. Like he's he's a, he's a good piece. Now, Aaron Gordon, would, would the Magic rather give him up? Hey, maybe that because the money can match up very good for Aaron Gordon. But does Orlando be you know upset that you know the Rosen walks because who knows if the Rosen want to stay in Orlando? Obviously, if he's a free agent, he's going to choose where he want to go. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's it's a lot of that's what that's why I said those those two are kind of hard because. At least with the young guys, the 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 contract isn't big, so it's, it's it's not it's not like a lot of teams are cut off. Like you can send Lonnie Walker to pretty much all other twenty nine teams in the NBA, but it's hard to find the money to match up for DeRozan or find the money to match up for 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 a guy like Aldridge. And really, I have no idea what what team will want Aldridge as far as like because you know you traded for a veteran like him. That that's that's me. That's telling me that you're one piece away, and I don't know what team is one big away. Unless you have a, you know, uh, you you have a versatile bid like a cat or Porzingis, 
somebody like that that next to Aldridge, it probably wouldn't matter. And you know, I really don't know where that spot is. Yeah, for Aldridge, man, I can't think of any team that would even like when you look at like okay, we'll say like Boston needs a big, but who are they gonna trade? Gordon Hayward or Jalen Brown? They're not gonna trade one of their young wings to the Spurs when the Spurs already have an abundance of wings. So even looking at teams that need a big what they would have to give up to get somebody like him is just not it's just not worth it. When you look at like the Cavs, they already have Love and Thompson, like so you can't even and I don't even think the Spurs would sabotage DeMar or Aldridge by sending them to a team that's you know, potentially tanking or could be on the down end. I don't think they would do it either one of those guys like that. So that's why I think they would stay put because the suitors for each guy is gonna be very, very small. And if you're not getting what you want back or something that's going to make you better for this season and the long haul, you might want to stay put and just let these guys play out the next two years. You have basically a clean slate as far as um, contract-wise outside of Murray. So just kind of see how it uh, how it all plays out with the Spurs. They'll, they'll make a good trade if it's there, but I don't see them just forcing a trade just based on their, their history and not willing to send guys to just terrible places. Yeah, it's like now that the Rosen to Toronto man, I'm I'm actually uh I think that's gonna be what he does if he walks. I just I just think that's you know that's just his scene, you know in my opinion. Especially especially now it's kind of like when when they go back, Siakam's a star. <laughs> so it's like okay, well I'm a two, but you know if Kyle Lowry's still there or not, blah blah. Because you know Marcus Gasol man, he's making like twenty some million dollars and he averaged five, like six and six. Like he sucks now. All, all of a sudden, he he wins the ring and that was it. That's why you know that's why when that Toronto ring was so was so crucial because you know everybody you know it was getting the get the team back together and you know maybe maybe letting Marcus all walk and, and bringing it back into Rosen. Who knows that that could be something. I mean, because they you saw they went like all wings with Stanley Johnson and Hollis Jefferson and all them guys like that. Who knows? I. I don't know, but I feel like it, it's probably more inclined to trade the young guys if you're going to do something, because right now five and ten, and like I said, you haven't beat a team with a with a winning record, and right now you you currently sit next to the Warriors in the standings. Like that's, you know, with with this Warriors team, that's not that's not something you want to be at. Yeah, if if I had to move Demar somewhere, um, I doubt it would happen, but I would move him to the Dallas Mavs for like some expirings. Like I would just go try to get Courtney Lee. He's on like a twelve million dollar expiring deal. And then maybe you know, see if you can get the white power who's a big, something like that. So you you at least you have a, a big to kind of move forward from Aldrich. And that'll give DeMar, you know, he can play with Doncic who will be controlling the ball. I think if DeMar's your third player on the team with Porzingis and Doncic, they could they could make the West Finals or something like that. And then plus you still have Tim, they'll still have Tim Hardaway. But Hardaway's deal expires from the Mavs, I think, next year. Or he has like a playoff or something like that. So at least they could say, all right, well, we have, you know, wins, win your ring. If you got Porzingis, DeMar, Hardaway, and Doncic, like your four, that, that could possibly do something this year. But I would have seen him there. And then at least uh, Courtney come off the books and you have some other stuff already on your books that's going to expire. And I would just try to go get uh, Bogdanovich from the Kings in the offseason. Something like that. So you can go a little bit younger and a little bit cheaper. Now, one thing I did saw the other day was uh, how Paul George said that he wanted to go. To, he wanted to team up with Kawhi a long time ago, and that was to get traded to the Spurs. 
Now I'm sitting here thinking like, man, it, we kind you know obviously we got it now. Probably, I, I mean, I guess it would be the same situation because I think Doc Rivers is one hell of a coach as well. But you know, if he was in San Antonio, Paul George and Kawhi, this was you know this was post pre George injury and before Kawhi was hurt. Man, you talk about something right now. We've been talking about Spurs <laughs> fourteen and one <laughs> instead of five and ten. You know, because um, you know, obviously, you know, if, if I, I don't know if Paul George being there would have stopped Kawhi's, you know, the, you know that whole butterfly effect crap. I don't know if that would have stopped Kawhi's injury, but that you know that would have been that would have been the, the the key to keep that Spurs dynasty alive. And obviously, we got to see it now, but you know that would have been crazy. Yeah, that would have possibly derailed the Warriors from getting where they got to as well just because Kawhi was on a tear against the Warriors with Durant and all those guys before Zaza wanted to, you know, trip them up and that kind of started this whole (laughs) and that kind of started the whole domino effect of Kawhi being hurt doesn't trust the Spurs, wants out goes to Toronto, makes his legacy and now he's on the Clippers and Paul George is there so uh they would have been on a tear, man, um, based on what we saw from Kawhi pre-injury and even post-injury. I know he's been doing a load management thing now, which I have no problem with. They would have been pretty serious around that 2017-2018 time frame, post-Paul George injury and pre-Kawhi's um, injury. All right, let's move on. Uh, Rashad, you, you got live read, don't you? Oh, yeah, man. For anyone who's interested in attending concerts, sporting events, and that includes all sporting events, football, college football, NBA, Kentucky Derby, NFL, um, use Seat Giant. You, what you would do is you would use the code of 12 Out Sports. That's 120Z Sports, spelled out S P O R T S. Um, that's a promo code, and you would get a discount on tickets to sporting events and concerts. So, the, again, that's Seat Giant. Use promo code 12OUNTSPORTS, the number one, the number two, the letter O-Z, sports, S-P-O-R-T-S, and you can get a discount on sporting event tickets and concert tickets. So, definitely check that out. Um, I'm thinking about going to the Falcons game this Sunday. Uh, they're playing the Bucks at home. So, um, if I get a ticket, I'll definitely be using Seat Giant. All right, so while we're going to the NFL, first of all, you know, that would be a good game because apparently the Falcons, uh, <laughs> their defense is elite now. So, how hey, many? <laughs> if, they, if, they, if, they, if they get on a three game win streak, man, they'll be, be looking pretty good for the division. Um, I doubt it saves Dan Quinn's job, but who knows? Like, the players are still playing for him. Like, that's, that's the thing. Like, when you have a coach, Two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. 
you always want to see the players play for him. And the Falcons are playing for him. I know they said Julio gave a very impassioned speech at some point in the locker room saying, hey, it's on us. We got to play for We got to get these wins. We got to play for this guy. You know, he's doing everything he can. It's on us. So that's one thing I also look at. Like, guys are still playing for him. Like, the team's not quitting. They're not going out and laying down. They're still competing, playing hard. And um, whatever the connection Dan Quinn has with those guys, they haven't given up on him. Let's see what Arthur Blank does, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, So the last time we talked to y'all, we, we previewed the Browns and Steelers game. Uh, Rashad picked the Browns, and he won that one. That's fine. In that game, though, Miles Garrett, <laughs> that whole situation, the whole fighting. Um, Play whack-a-mole. <laughs> whack-a-mole is, is what Rashad's calling it. Um, So Miles Garrett did lose his appeal today. Uh, He lost his appeal, and he's suspended indefinitely. In my opinion, and definitely just means at the end of the year we'll we'll come back to it, and, and that's that's what it means to me. So um, he lost his appeal. Pouncey's got reduced to two games, I believe. And uh, do you now? What do you think about this uh, this this whole tactic about Miles Garrett saying that that Mason Rudolph used a racial slur, and that's why you know that's why he got so fired up. Um, do you think it was a desperation tactic to try to get? Out of the, the 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 suspension thing uh, reduced, or do you actually think it was a real thing? Uh, because you know, some people 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 do say things like that and don't get caught. So, I mean, uh, what are your thoughts on anything like that? Uh, when the whole thing first happened last week, I thought initially that was what triggered him because okay, Miles didn't see the ball get thrown, so he's still holding on to Mason. So it wasn't a dirty play. That's why the ref didn't throw a flag for roughing the pass because Miles already had him wrapped up. You couldn't see the ball get thrown. Of course, we know what happens next. He slammed him down. Mason went after his helmet. Um, who knows what's set on the ground. And then Miles, you know, retaliates and gets Mason's helmet off. And I thought during that sequence, that it could have been something where Mason was talking some trash. Because football is a fiery sport. You're, 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 you're beating these guys up 21 to 7. And, you know, that's one of the seven times. So you're beating these guys. Um, you know, so it's pretty embarrassing. The guy just got slammed. He like his dirty head. He ripped his helmet off. So he's talking trash. I thought he could have said something a little bit out of the way to provoke Miles. But then once I thought about it again, I'm like, nah, I don't think he said anything to provoke him. That could have been a racial slur because if he did, guys like Pouncey and other other African-American players wouldn't have came to his defense if he had said something that wasn't a racial slur. Now that now yeah that, that's definitely true because you know I mean like I said people a lot of people say anything um you know but it's the thing about Miles Garrett and I can understand Mason Rudolph a little bit and this is why I said this for anybody go crazy at me but this whole season if, if, if y'all watch the Browns Miles Garrett he always hits the quarterback now he gets flagged a lot for roughing the passer. Uh, we've seen versus the Jets. He, you know, he landed right on Trevor Seaman. You all just put all his body weight into the quarterback. He does do that a lot. So I don't know. I to me, I think it was a stem of all game long. Mason Rudolph was getting hit by Miles Garrett, and like maybe what maybe you know, obviously Miles doesn't know where the ball. Like he's just going. To, he got one job: hit the quarterback. That's his, that's his job. That's that's what that's what he want to do. He's one of the best at it. And I, I just I, I just think Mason just got fed up, and which which that's still no excuse. But you know, I, I think he just got tired of it. He tried to do something; <laughs> it didn't work out. And uh, and like you said, Whack a Mole was uh was wasn't wasn't full effect. But um, I don't know, man. 
Miles, Miles have Miles been. He definitely got to go to anger management because I feel like he's always a. Uh, he's just an angry dude. He quiet though, you know. And that, that's the quiet guys who, you know, do stuff like that. And you know, a lot of people was was kind of mad about Mason not being suspended, you know, for for his involvement, which you know, is it's a it's a good debate for it. My thing with with this is, hear me out, Rashad. They would rather have Mason Rudolph play for Pittsburgh because that is actually worse for Pittsburgh. Because he's not a good quarterback, so it's, it's suspending him would do would actually help the Pittsburgh Steelers out because I think Hodges is the better quarterback. Um, but you know, it, it just it just I don't know, man. Mason, that Mason Rudolph thing, Miles Garrett thing, we it was it was kind of I won't say blonde proportion, but it was kind of a big deal and maybe too much of a big deal. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I um I thought Mason should have been suspended. Um, the fact that we're no, we're still having to talk about this a week later, just based upon what happened, his appeal, all that kind of stuff. Which he should have known he wasn't gonna win the appeal. Like, man, the the, the storm he caused of taking a helmet off and swinging it, because that's something that doesn't happen in football a lot, but really ever. And the helmet is considered a weapon to to a certain degree. So he should have known, like, he wasn't gonna win the appeal. That's really just a waste of time to even try to go plead your case. I understand you may want to save face or things like that, but that was really a total waste of time to go um, try to appeal that suspension. I don't agree. I think it was a little bit harsh, you know, the rest of the season or indefinite, all that kind of stuff. I thought at the most four games would have been more than enough because he didn't instigate it. He just retaliated. But, you know, it's it's one on the bridge now. It's over with. And I want to I wanna see what happens in the game that's coming up soon. Like, how does that – rematch play out with the amongst the players like is there going to be any bad blood or anything like that or do guys do any type of late hits like I know Miles gets accused of late hits sometimes they are late sometimes they aren't but I think it's just how the rules are set up like if the guy's going to throw the ball and you're right there and you can't just stop you know full, from going full speed or like some of these pass interference calls but you can clearly see it is pass interference but the rest are going to the monitor and they don't want to overturn it because they don't want to set a bad precedent. So the rules are just so crazy now. Like, they're kind of over-managing the game on these roughing the passer and these pass interference calls. It's just – it's getting out of hand. Um, but, um, you know, Miles, he'll be out. And Mason Rudolph start for the Steelers is a punishment. Because <laughs> he hasn't been effective at all. The defense has been carrying that team along with the running game. So let's see what uh, Jalen Samuels does. Man, I, I'm also glad I don't have anybody in Pittsburgh in fantasy because I've been I've been upset all all season long, <laughs> all season Man, long. You know, you know what I was saying? I was like in Dynasty, bro, on drafting Juju. I'm glad I pivoted. I got my guy Odell, which hasn't really been much better based on Baker not throwing the ball like that. But it's still better than anything Juju would be giving me. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly, man. That uh, that's just crazy. But yeah, I I think Miles Garrett will be back. I like I said, I've been. If the talent is always gonna, the NFL is gonna let it go at some point. It just, it just something we never seen. Well, I've never seen before where somebody ripped off somebody's helmet and and smacked them with it. That just, you know, that's just something we never seen. We've seen guys rip off somebody's helmet and punch them, and you know, those guys get suspended one or two games and come back. So Andre Johnson, right? Exactly. Uh, who was that? Who was that? Uh, 
was it? I remember Jalen Ramsey and uh, J- and, uh AJ Green. Got AJ Green, Talib, Talib and Crabtree. Oh yeah, Yeah, so we we've seen fights all happen before, but we never seen the. And really, you know what Jalen Ramsey and AJ Green did? That was kind of wild too, you know, because somebody getting choked. But uh, like I said, it's it's not a it's not a helmet thing. And with the lead, I, I really think that it was a it probably was an overreaction by the NFL, basically with the concussions and all that stuff. I think that's played the, the biggest part. Yeah, they couldn't they couldn't just let that go with it happening on a big stage on on TV. They couldn't let that go unpunished, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, let, let's uh, change, change gears real quick. Um, I want to talk about Phillip Rivers, man, um, because I think I think people need to know who Phillip Rivers is. He's Jameis Winston. That's who Phillip Rivers is. It, every time I, I don't really don't, don't understand why. You know, obviously, the narrative of Phillip Rivers is he's a Hall of Famer. He doesn't have the help. Blah 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 blah. But when you look at him this season, you know char- the charges in him that they didn't agree to a, a you know a two year deal yet, anything like that because. The Chargers being smart. Let's see what Phil Rivers got. He's old. I mean, he's been here since 2004, and we're in 2019 now, and arms fade. So he – I don't understand what's the difference between the two this season. Jameis has 19 touchdowns, 18 picks. Phil Rivers has 15 touchdowns, 14 picks. Both of them are top two in pass attempts because, you know, they, they that's what they do. They just throw the ball all day long. And they both lead the NFL in interceptions. And you've seen the last two games, Phillip Rivers has cost the he has cost the Chargers two games that they that they probably could have won. Uh, the pick six against the Raiders, uh, I think he threw three in that game. Or no, he threw uh, I think it was he, he, whether whatever it was four against the Chiefs or four against the Raiders, and end up throwing uh, I think what, three touchdowns total, seven picks in the last two games. That is not that is not good football. At all, but if it's Jameis Winston, though, we're ready to kill him and say he's the worst number one pick of all time. Blah blah blah. But Phillip Rivers, you know, he he gets passes all the time, and I don't, you know, I don't really like it because right now they're four and seven. He cost them two games this year. That's six and five, and does not does not don't forget to mention how bad he was versus the Pittsburgh Steelers on that or Monday Night Football when they had to storm back to try to make it a game. So three games that he was completely terrible. And you know that that changes your whole season, especially when they was what 13, 12 and four last season. Like I don't know, man. The the Chargers only have four four game four seasons where they're over double digit wins. He he really usually around the eight to nine win mark. I, I know they get a lot of bad losses, you know, crazy missed kicks and fumbles and all this other stuff. But it's 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 that time, man, and. You hit the nail on the coffin before about this. This might be it for uh, Phillip Rivers. Yeah, I think he's out of there. Depending where their draft spot falls, I can see them going to get uh, Justin Herbert, somebody like that. I doubt they would take the risk on Tua, um, even though they probably should, because you're gonna, you're gonna need somebody who's a star to sell some tickets out there in LA. But I think they're gonna draft somebody pretty high because they're pretty solid at all positions. You know, whether they bring back. Gordon or not, you still have Eckler. Let's see what maybe with more burn, Jackson turns into something. You, you have receivers in Mike Will, Keenan Allen, Hunter, Henry. The old line um, is is pretty decent. It just needs to be healthy, like any offensive line. And defensively, Bosa, Derwin James, Hayward, they have defensive pieces. So uh, Ingram, that's not a problem on defense. 
you ever saw it, Coach Anthony Lynn, he's probably, you know, this this year's not his fault. So I would say on a scale of one to five, he'd be like a, a 1.5 or a two on the hot seat. So pretty low. But they just need uh going a different direction QB-wise. Um, some bad losses this year as well. The Houston and Detroit losses were bad losses. Um, even Denver and, of course, Pittsburgh and Tennessee were bad losses. So their their first seven games, they were just in just terrible, <laughs> just terrible situations. Honestly, and they and they got wins against Chicago and they had that good win against Green Bay. But their first nine games, you could just look at those and say, all right, well, these really changed their season because you could have won a few here and there. Now you're looking at, you know. Uh, seven wins versus three or four wins. So it happens. That's how the NFL is. More teams uh, lose games than win them. Now, I'm I'm going to pose this to you. I think, yes, the yes the Chargers need to get a quarterback in this draft, and I think they need to go get two because and he, here's why. So they have a good backup behind for the Rivers. For those who don't know who the backup is, it's Tyrod Taylor. If, if, if he was wondering where he went, he's on the Chargers. He's the backup for the Rivers. Now, him as a starter, he's 23 and 21. So he's he no, he's slightly above average with a team in who's in Buffalo that 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 didn't have the the Keenan Allen, didn't have Hunter Henry, didn't have Melvin Gordon or Eckler with him. He had a good solid defense, but he didn't have Derwin James and Bosa and Melvin Ingram. So if you talk about what what is a what is a the bridge quarterback that you look for, Tyrod Taylor is that type of guy. Like you you take that risk on Tua early in your draft pick. You take you take Tua, right? And while he's recovering, because they said he's going to be back, you know, he he he'll be able to do stuff in about three or four months, which is he'll miss the he'll miss the draft combine, but he'll he'll be able to do some you know some athletic stuff. But he still won't be ready. It's, it's a hip injury, and as well that he's still recovering from the ankle injury. So what I'm I'm suggesting is you draft Tua while you fix the old line while you. While you make sure your defense is staying upright, while you probably have to draft another running back if you let Melvin Gordon go, you got all the pieces that any quarterback can step right in and take over with Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, the tight end Hunter Henry. Hey, you got the pieces. You already, you already have that. So Tyrod Taylor can can keep you afloat while Tua gets back right. And if and let's say let's say if Tua missed the whole season next year, like let's keep him out and just keep him ready. Tyrod Taylor can win nine games. And if you're saying, okay, that's not enough, well, that was Philip Rivers doing his whole career. Like, he got he won 12 games last season. I mean, 12, 12 games last season, I think he won, like, 14, like, in 2006, and he won a couple of 11 games uh, a couple years back. I mean, so he hasn't – he only won, he won 12 games in 18, and since then they won 13 games in 2009. That was a – you know, so – with that being said, they they always been at nine wins, so it's not like it's a, you know, it's, it's not like it's a, a difference. And yes, Phil Rivers is a gunslinger and he puts up yardage. And you know, for fantasy, you like Phil Rivers because he throws the ball to Keenan Allen, and Gordon, and Eckler, and all that guys. But Tyrod Taylor, what he doesn't do is turn the ball over. Like that that is, that is something he doesn't do. He he's not known to throw, turn the ball over because if he doesn't seem like something he like, he's going to tuck it and run. And that's what's winning right now in the league. I mean, we see the MVP race is mostly what black quarterbacks with Lamar Jackson running wild and Watson running for his life because the offensive line is terrible and Russ does what he has to do to win games. So I don't see I don't see why Tyrod would be a, you know a stretch and as as a bridge quarterback. 
you can you can wait on Tua because you need to make sure the offensive line is right because you don't want Tua to get smashed up behind it. Um, just kind of like how Kyler Murray is kind of running for his life a little bit. So I think I think Tua is the right guy to go to L.A. because, like you said, you got to sell tickets. And I believe he could be a star in the right situation. And what's a better situation than, than with all the weapons that he has to work with? Because you can walk into a situation like Kyler Murray where you have Larry Fitzgerald for one season, but after that, your next best player is going to be Christian Kirk. Or you walk in like Rosenhead, and or now he's in Miami, or Darnold where he didn't have Le'Veon Bell, Josh Allen where his best receiver is John Brown. A lot of guys don't get a superstar in like Keenan Allen. Yeah, the Chargers, they would need to just for – it'll be a marketing bonanza. Him and Mahomes, same division. Uh, he's in L.A. That's a big market. They can sell the tickets. So if you're going to go with somebody who's already in the league improving, they can sell the tickets and maybe, you know, get two or three years out of them. I would say Cam Newton. But if you're going to go the – I would say rebuild route. Let's just go ahead and get something new and fresh here. It, I would say depending upon what your draft spot is, can you get them to – yeah, and and two two is accurate. So it's it's not like it's a quarterback that you have to work on accuracy issues or whatever it is. I mean, all it really he is he just he just what small. I mean, smaller than you know he's bigger than Kyler Murray. So you know I don't think it's be it's a problem. You know. Yeah, some injury history there, but right situation he'll uh, he can he can be healthy and sustain himself. A lot of your injuries are freak plays anyway. All right, so. Let's move into your last segment that we're gonna do, man. For for uh, with the Thanksgiving coming up next next Thursday. Go ahead. Yeah, we got Thanksgiving coming up next week, so I know a lot of people will start doing their Thanksgiving shopping, their Thanksgiving prep over, you know, the next week or so. So we came up with a segment called Feast or Famine. Um, if it's something that you agree with, you're gonna to want to feast on it. Um, and if it's something you disagree with, you're not gonna feel in it. You'll. Uh, go famine on it. So we have a few scenarios we want to throw out there. Um, so the first one I'm going to throw at you, man, um, in his MVP season through 14 games, Russell Westbrook was averaging 31.6 points, 10.4 assists, 9.6 rebounds. His team was 8-6 and six during that stretch. Of course, we know he went on the average the first triple-double since the big O. He won MVP. His team finished 47-35. They were a sixth seed in the West. Um, right now, Luka Doncic through 14 games is averaging 29.9 points, 10.6 rebounds, 9.4 assists, and the Mavs are 9 and 5. So, the question I pose to you: Feast or famine? Can Luka Doncic keep up this pace to potentially average a triple double and win the MVP? Um, I I'll, I'll, I'll feast on that. I just think it's too much volume, um, for Luka because he has the ball in his hands every game. Uh, the, the difference between him and Russ is he gonna be more efficient than Russ was. Uh, also, he has he has one of the best you know I think he uh, underrated coach in Rick Carlisle, and he has you know Porzingis. Porzingis is you know finding finding his way back from the ACL injury. I just think him having another star with him is 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 definitely definitely the key to success. And you know the other night what he got the the, the fastest triple double in NBA history. So that's something that. LeBron and Westbrook that he he's beating over them. So I don't see I don't see why not. I think this Mavericks team could can make the playoffs. So uh and, and it's gonna ride on because of Luca. Yeah, I would feast on it as well. Um he has a storyline, that's why I'm leaning at because MVP is really storyline. LeBron and A D will both probably get votes and other cancel each other out. I think people are just fatigued with James Harden. Even though he can probably average forty points a game, they probably won't give it to him. 
Um, and Giannis is Giannis, but I think the, the storyline would favor Luka Doncic. So I would feast on that as well. But let's get into our, uh, our second one, going to the football aspect. In his last three games, Baker Mayfield has six total touchdowns, five passing, one rushing, and he has no turnovers, hasn't thrown a pick or fumbled. Feast of famine, will this trend of productivity continue for the rest of the season? I, I'm going to say famine on this one. And, I mean, I, he got six games left, right? So, and, and it's, it's really only two games that I don't I don't believe in him in. And that's against Pittsburgh Steelers, who was number two in takeaways, and the Baltimore Ravens, who was number six. And since the arrival of Marcus Peters, this uh, Ravens defense, and, and, and as well as being healthy, they have been shut down as well and making guys turn the ball over. So those two teams – I'm I definitely with Famine on, but the rest of the schedule with as Bengals and Dolphins and all the other guys, that's a different story. Um, but you know, if for, I think I think his next game is one against the Dolphins after that, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think Pittsburgh Steelers, he probably bound for two or three uh turnovers, whether that's a strip sack, fumble, or uh or you know, or throwing the pick. So I'm gonna famine on that. Uh, I'm gonna feast on Baker, man. Like you already mentioned, his schedule is so easy. He only really has two tough defenses coming up. That's going to be Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Um, the over-under, I would say he has four or or less turnovers over the next six games. I think he's going to – Dolphins and Bengals, teams like that, I doubt he turns it over um, against those teams. Their, their defenses and their secondary just aren't good enough for him to throw a bunch of picks against. And neither one of them really have a good pass rush. So I doubt he has uh, more than four turnovers the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I really just think is I really just think if you have a good pass rush as well as a good secondary, I think that's the key to, to turn the Baker over. Because like the crazy thing is like his last three games he had six total touchdowns. He only had seven total touchdowns the first uh what first nine games I think so. But the first seven games the first seven games he only had seven t- seven total touchdowns. That was six passing, one rushing, and he had twelve picks. So I don't. I think he's going to improve from the the first uh, the first couple of games. Let's go to the next one, man. This will be a good one. We have Ricky Kyler Murray. He's played eleven games. He's on his bye week. This this upcoming week, but he's completed two hundred fifty four of three hundred ninety three passes. That's sixty four point six percent. He has fourteen touchdowns, five ints, a QBR of ninety one point two. And Tom Brady, through 10 games, has 256 of 40, 402 passes. That's 63.7%. Uh, 2,752 yards to Kyle Murray's 2,703. Brady also has 14 TDs and 5 INTs. Uh, so, Feast of Famine on Kyler Murray, finishing with better numbers than Tom Brady. Uh, I'm I'm going to feast on it, and it's uh, for two reasons only. Uh, the Pats play a very easy easy schedule with when it comes to bad run defenses. Uh, the, I think it's the the Dolphins. I think they face the Bengals, um, and I want to say the Bills, who can't stop the run either. And on top of that, the Cardinals have been increasing their touchdown productivity in the last few weeks. Uh, f- for the for the whole year, there I think they're around like two touchdowns a game, and they in the last. The last three games, they have bumped that up to three touchdowns a game. So I, I think with the the offense is finally clicking, and I think Kyler Murray and the Cardinals offense has finally know how to put the ball into the end zone because that's that cost them a lot of wins this season. So 
I'm going I'm going to feast on it. I think Kyler Murray can throw some more touchdowns down the stretch. Man, my plate's going to be full. I'm feasting again on <laughs> Kyler Murray. <laughs> my plate's going to be full. I'm feasting again, man, just because the Cardinals' offense leans on him to pass the ball and be effective. Brady doesn't have an elite receiving core. I think they'll maybe lean on the run with Michelle and little short passes to James White, stuff like that. So I, I don't think Brady will have the numbers um, that are elite compared to Kyler. So I think Kyler will finish with more yards, more touchdowns, and probably still a better completion percentage as well. Yeah. All right, we got another one, man. Um, this is going to involve your surprise team, the Buffalo Bills. Feast or famine, Lamar Jackson will break Michael Vick's single-season rushing yards record against your team, the Buffalo Bills, your surprise team. Famine, famine, famine. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, really, I mean, as, as bad as the Bills' run defense has been, I'm going to re- – I'm not even going to rely on the Bills. I'm going to rely on the Rams and the 49ers, their next two games before they play the Bills. I think the, the Rams are one of the best teams against the run. I think they only give up 89 yards uh, per game this season. And the 49ers are, you know, pretty uh, above average. And I think if those two teams can limit Lamar Jackson – uh, down to maybe you know maybe fifty to sixty, make him pass the ball more. I think when he played the Bills, I don't think he go crazy in that game. So I'm gonna say no. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna uh, break the record after the Bills game. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm gonna go famine on that as well. Um, he's only averaging seventy. I'm saying like it's such a small thing. He's only averaging seventy eight yards per game. So that's two hundred thirty four, and he's about two hundred fifty short. So if he completed his average for the next three games he would still be a little bit short on the Russian side so yeah I'm with you man famine on Lamar breaking the record against your surprise team the Buffalo Bills please Bills <laughs> because if he did they'll probably win the game right <laughs> please come on Bill, please <laughs> uh, let's do one more man feast of famine James Harden will get a 70 point game this season hey you know I'm going to feast on that because I he, he shoots the ball too much. And it's going to be one of these days where he's going, he goes about 85% from the three-point line, and that's all he got to do to get 70 because he shoots like 14 threes a game. So you make you make 80% of that, he's already you know he's already have almost halfway there. So I, I'm, I'm going to feast that. Yeah, I'm going to feast on it as well just because the volume. He's averaging about 24.7, I think. Shot tips this year, and his percentages aren't even up to where he's normally around 44 45%. So, once his percentages dip up, you know, it's going to be crazy. He shoots so many threes, and he's the most versatile scorer we have in the league. So, if he can get it going from a three one game, get to the free throw line, couple of mid range jumpers, floaters, I can easily see him going for 70. Um, it hasn't been done that many times. The last person that beat it was Devin Booker. Um, but I think he's a better scorer than Devin Booker, so I can definitely see it happening. So I'm gonna feast, man. My my plate's almost full. Man. <laughs> I'm about to say, yeah, I think I what four of my, four. You said feast. I got three of them. But uh, hey, I got one for you real quick. Feast or famine? Mac and cheese is the best side for Thanksgiving. Oh, we feasting, man. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. You know t- it, man. Mac and cheese is undefeated, man. And we talking about baked mac and cheese, not that little crab. Oh, yeah, baked. Definitely baked. Definitely baked. Yeah, we no, we're not doing no uh, stovetop mac and cheese. That, that, that is not the wave right there. <laughs> hey, quick, quick Thursday night uh, football preview. Colts and Texans. 
Uh, the AFC South, these are the, the, they're tied with the same record. Colts already won game one. Hey, this is a huge game, man. Um, I really don't know who to take. I'm probably going to take Houston because they're coming off a bad performance and you got to bounce back because if you don't and the Colts have the tiebreaker over you, man, you're not winning this division. Yeah, I want to take the Texans as well. Deshaun played so bad against the Ravens. He's a great player. No way he plays that bad again. Will Fuller's back, so he gets his other deep threat. Uh, on the Colts side, Marlon Mack, he's going to be out. Jacoby, he's solid, but he's not Deshaun Watson. And they won't be able to lean on the running game because Mack is out. T.Y.'s been banged up, so who knows what his, he's playing, but who knows how effective he will be. So, Ebron or Doyle, he'll be going to those guys. But I'll take the, the Texans in a close one, uh, you know, 26, 23, something. I'll take the Texans in the close one. All right. Over, over, under, D-hop, 120 receiving yards. Over 120. I'll, t- I'll take that because I don't think nobody on the coach can stop him. Hey, I'm right there with you. I hope so because I need. I definitely need you that need money. That drag kings, that fantasy, but I need that. <laughs> hey, I, I can't blame you, man. You got to bet those tickets and cash out. So, um, anybody who likes fantasy, uh, Kev is big on DraftKings, so check that out. And if you're going to any concert or any type of event, don't forget to check out Seat Giant. Use the code Twelve Out Sports. Oh yeah, uh, I'm going. I'm going live tomorrow. Uh, you can you can catch me on Twitter at Pastor underscore Kevy Kev. Uh, DraftKings at five thirty. I, I go through each game man, and and give y'all the best advice. Where where to win your money, man? So we're out. Uh, the profits. Here we go. Uh, don't forget, Phil Rivers is Jameis Winston. Okay. Y'all remember that? <laughs> not, not a Hall of Famer, but, you know, for this season, they're both ready with the ball. Right, exactly. So, all right, man, we out. Happy birthday, dog. I appreciate it, man. Much love to everybody who was happy birthday. I appreciate it. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Hey, which glasses look better on me? Oh, what's this? Zenny's 3D virtual try-on. Pretty cool, right? Hmm. Uh, I don't know about the purple cat eyes. I think they're fun. What about these tortoiseshell glasses? Or these rimless sunglasses? Oh, what about these clear frames? Wait, are those prices real? Do they have glasses for men? Yep. They also have affordable blue light glasses. Seriously? At those prices? Get them all. I like where this is going. Zenni.com. Quality prescription glasses starting at $6.95.